Amen. Let's just give the Lord a hand for what I think he just did. That was great. It's great. Man, you know, off script this morning, I'll just tell you before we jump into this, uh, if, if, you're, like, if you're just living a day-to-day without any pursuit of God, like, I mean, you, you, you've got Christianity, you've got your past testimony, you've got the camp store or whatever, I prayed the prayer, but like you're not living with the pursuit of God daily, looking at who does God want you to be, man, you're missing out on what Christianity has to offer. Just a glorious life. When we sing, I need thee every hour, um, that not just that I, I need, but that I receive as well. And it's, it's an amazing way to walk through our lives. So I just encourage you. Maybe that's the spark you need to just go out of here. And whatever the sermon's on this morning, just a minute, maybe not the key thing. The key thing you needed to hear is pursue God every day. Get up and pursue him. He is wonderful to be found and to teach us and grow us. Well, uh, I want you to do something for me this morning. Uh, We're going to jump into this topic, and uh, I want to ask if you have your phone on you, like if you have your phone with you, like I know you do. So I want you to take this phone out for a second. Would you do that? So just take it on out. I want to see that you have it out. Um, Yeah. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. Take this out. Open up like your favorite interaction app. I don't care what it is. Like, if you're my age, you probably ventured into the Facebook world. You think you're really hip, right? Um, our teens are like, whatever, Facebook. Come on. That's old people stuff. You know, just open it up. Um, and your favorite... Now, don't play a game all sermon long, all right? But I want you to just sit this in your lap, all right? For the next 25 minutes as we walk through this topic this morning, just sit it with that open in your lap. Would you do that for me? All right? You got it? You got it there? The teens are like, we didn't have to do anything. It was, I mean, it was there when we walked in this morning. Yeah. So we're going to continue this series. It's called Reclaiming the Family. And what we're doing is we're talking about some stuff that we, as a family, we've got to get intentional about. Two weeks ago, we talked to dads, and we said, look, dads, you got to get intentional about revaluing fatherhood. Sometimes we blame our culture. We keep saying, oh, our culture's taking away fatherhood. No, fathers, we are relinquishing fatherhood. We're giving away fatherhood. We're not standing up and being fathers. So we talked about that. Last week, uh, we talked about marriages, about relationships, really. And we talked about these connections we have to have to have healthy relationships. So this week, we're going to talk about uh, parenting. Now, I could go a hundred different directions on parenting, and you've probably heard it in different messages. But this morning, we're going to kind of merge this idea of technology and theology and parenting and how this all kind of fits together. What we're saying this morning is, look, parents, you have a unique responsibility. You do, I do, to guide and develop and grow up our kids in the Lord, right? And you are navigating it through an incredibly uh, interesting time in our world. You see, our world's changing, right? I mean, it has changed, we would say, dramatically. Peter Drucker says this, every few years in Western history, there occurs a sharp transformation. Within a few short decades, society rearranges itself, its worldviews, its basic values, its social and political structures, its arts, and its key institutions. Fifty years later, there is a new world, and the people born then cannot imagine the world in which their grandparents lived or into which their own parents were born. We are currently living in such a transformation. Like, what I've experienced in even my 45 years from no internet to internet 
is very different than even what my parents dealt with in their first 45 years of their life. We've had these conversations. You now have your kids, if they're with you right here in service, or maybe you checked them in already, who are growing up and they do not know an age where internet did not existed, or exist, excuse me. Now, if you're my age, we actually first didn't call it internet, right? What did we say? Every time we said it, we said the World Wide Web. We, that, that's how we thought we had to say it, right? And then it got shortened to internet, I guess, is the better way, right? Your kids, they, they don't know a world without that, right? If you have a 10-year-old, they don't know a world without social media interaction. We live in a very different time. But guess what, parents? The responsibility to raise your kids is no different than it's ever been. So you may want to say, oh, man, it's just so much harder. But it doesn't excuse us that we're still called to do it. So how do we do it? We're going to just jump in and look at some of these. Uh, Leonard Sweet, about five years ago, he actually called this thing a new TGIF. This is five years ago, right? What is new TGIF? Uh, it was Twitter, Google, Instagram, and Facebook. Now, you even know that Leonard Sweet, if you're a teen right here, like right away, you're like, well, he's out of date, right? Because teens would know today Snapchat is where it's at, right? It's not. And then you've got several others that we're still trying to catch up with, right, us adults, right? But it's a different age, a different culture that we're working in today. In fact, uh, Snapchat's number one by far, by 20% or so among teens. So, so let's just mix this, technology, theology, parenting. Why? Because we have flooded to our lives every day, and the life of your kids as well, an incredible amount of information and interaction. Yet when we stop and we look, we still feel like we don't know much, and we still feel like we're not well-connected with people. How as a parent do you navigate that? In a weekend edition of the LA Times, even, uh, just one weekend, does anybody read the newspaper anymore? Let's say we're reading it online, okay? There won't be more hip, all right? Weekend edition of the LA Times, you get more information, one weekend edition, than someone who lived in the 17th century got in their entire life. That's how much information flows our way. Four million cell phones will be sold today alone. That's a lot over the course of a year. Um, 5,000 books are going to be published today. I guess a lot of them are probably just e-books, um, but 5,000 are published. Recently, I had somebody I knew, they, they did one of those self-publishing you know, books where they wrote a book, and as you buy it, it would be printed or sent to you digitally, right? And they're like, well, I keep posting that I wrote this book. How come nobody's buying it? Well, because 1.8 million books are still published every year, a pretty saturated market. Uh, there's never been a time where more books have been published. 20% of people who get married this year, did you know this, will have met online. None of them will have admitted it, but they all will have <laughs> met online uh, when they got married. Um, and you'll know because it's open in your lap right now, and you've probably even been tempted to glance down and look already just in case somebody sent you a message in the last two and a half minutes you want to stay updated, that we often look at our phones every six minutes at most, sometimes every six seconds, right? And what are we often looking for? Likes, notifications, just about every app, right? When you download it, it gives you a little uh, message, would you like to enable notifications, right? And you say, yes, I would, because I want to know immediately when somebody has sent me a message or there's some new thing that I need to look at, right? That's what we navigate every day. Listen, parents, I want to say, first of all, it's not just your kids. 
it's not just the millennials of this world that are doing. They're just charting the course and they're pushing it pretty strong. But you parents and I as adults, we've fallen in line just the same. Right around the street, you'll see just as many parents are on their phone as they're driving down the road as our young people. It just affects us all. The question for us this morning, though, is how do you as a parent navigate this with your kids? How do you work through this? Because here's what I think. Your goal and my goal as a parent, I think it's the exact same thing, right? Our goal is that our kids would hear God's word and they would live God's word. That's what I want. Amen, parents? I mean, we want our kids to hear God's word, but we want them to live God's word as well. I mean, we would be overjoyed just getting them into the right environments where they get to hear God's word. At our house when we teach God's word, maybe, uh, maybe the school you go to or church or youth groups. But something different sparks within us when we see our kids live out God's word, when they're actually doing the things that God's word has to share. So that's our goal. That's what we're about, right? Um, so how do we do it when Technology so easily can be not just a distraction, but a deterrent at times. Well, let's just jump into it this morning. Um, the first thing I, I want to uh, remind us um, is that technology is not necessarily the enemy. And let's jump into it and talk about why. Now, all these uh, points start with G because, you know, G is where we're at, 5G, 6G, 10G. I don't know what G are we up to now today. What's the coolest G? I, I'm not sure, but... Uh, we'll start them all with G, so just so it sounds like we're right here in the hip tech world. Um, the, first, the first G here, the first two Gs, is just really identifying who we are versus who our kids are, and maybe even helping us to squash a, a misnomer. Number one is Gutenbergers and Googlers. That's kind of fun to say, right? Gutenbergers and Googlers. These are titles of two different kinds of people, Gutenbergers and Googlers. Now, if you're here this morning... And by show of hands, right, you're 50 or older. Would you raise your hands for a second? 50 or older? Um, yeah? Are any of you lying? Let me just look a little closer. Okay, all right, all right. Um, 50 or You are definitely Gutenbergers, right? Um, and that means you associate more with Johannes Gutenberg, who invented the printing press, and you would prefer... You're not that old, all right? You would prefer a book, like a printed book in your hand. That's what you would prefer. Now, some of you, I know, you probably are outside of this norm, but for the most part, you would prefer this printed book to read and engage and, I don't know, smell. Do people still do that? Their book, yes. That's kind of what a Gutenberger wants there. Now, if you're under 40, how many of you are under 40 in here? Yeah? Now, I noticed the under 40, like you, you like a little more quickly and proudly threw your hand up. Um, yeah, the... The under 40 people, like you would be the Googlers. And basically because you know um, no argument ever needs to be made in our culture anymore, right? You just say, well, just Google it. Google it. You know, we don't have to argue. I don't have to argue about 1983 baseball stats with my friends anymore, right? We can just Google it and we'll find out right away who's right and who's wrong, you know? Googlers, we're, we're interested more in the pixels uh, on a screen and reading things that way learning everything we can about uh, the internet technology and those type of, of things as well. Um, if you're a, a Gutenberger, uh, you may think the word text is a noun, but if you're a Googler, you know the word text is a verb. You know, you got to text someone. Um, Gutenbergers, you might be thinking of contacts, and you're uh, thinking about your contact lenses to put in. 
um, where in reality, we, uh, Googlers at least, know context means all the connections. Uh, Gutenberg's, you might be thinking of Apple is still a fruit. Um, I think it is. But uh, Googlers will say Apple, no, that is a company or a movement, they might say, uh, as well. Um, Gutenbergers love cars because cars symbolize your independence, right? Um, but Googlers know that their phones became their independence. So this morning, we're going to just ask this thing, how do we navigate this? See, there was a family that uh, I met with years ago at another church, and this is even before the Snapchat age. And they said, we were having a family Bible study, family devotion time on vacation, right? And I'm like, man, look at you guys, super spiritual, right? On vacation, very, very good, right? But the mom was super distraught because she asked them to open up to their Bibles, and a very popular new Bible uh, app was now out. Now, you know it as version or your Bible app on your phone, but it was still like a, an upshoot new thing. And her son opened up his phone and put this, this version and read along, and she felt distraught. My son doesn't even know how to open up the Bible and find a verse anymore. They're lost when it comes to the actual book of the Bible. I just feel like my son's faith is so shallow. Oh. Well, now, parents, I mean, let's just be honest. Have you ever kind of felt that because your, your kids can't navigate the, the, the book anymore? So, but as you sit and think about that, families, well, let's, let's just squash a, a misnomer one, uh, for now. And that is that our job overall is that we're supposed to get the word of God into our kids' hearts and help them to live it out. Does it really matter how they get to it? You see, sometimes uh, because of this technology thing that we have to navigate, sometimes, parents, it's us that are creating the obstacles with our kids instead of finding a way for the technology to be our friend and our helper in the process in getting our kids into that. Here's the interesting thing. Did you know when the printing press was invented in 1440, right? When it was invented, there was a big cultural uproar. And the cultural uproar was this, is that we really need to return to the days without all these books being printed. When people would gather and they would hear the book said out loud or, or they, would hear, they would hear the Bible read out loud or they would hear you know, some classic literature read in the academic setting or in the church or maybe in somebody's home. And this new printing press is just destroying society because now... They go into their rooms and read, or they go out in the field and read these books. What's interesting today is we flip it the other way, do we not, parents, sometimes? Uh, we're arguing the same thing, but now the book is the good guy. We've got to return to this printed thing because this technology you know, of our kids reading or our people wanting to read in God's word. Can I just tell you this morning, the best way to go is forget that whole argument and just lead our kids into God's word. If they flip to it on their phone or on their tablet, I mean, let's face it, many people my age are flipping to it on their tablet as it is, uh, right? Many people, even in the church setting, I won't call you out by name, but many people will argue for the book, but I don't see the book in your lap each week when I'm up in this setting, right? Get the word of God into the, your, your kids. You know, share it with them. Read it yourself. 
And don't worry about necessarily how they're getting. Here's what the Bible says. David is a writer here. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's David saying here? I have so embedded your word into my heart that it would now affect the way I live. It'll affect the choices I make because I've embedded it in my heart. Parents, that's our job. That's what we're after here. Let's get that word of God into the hearts of our kids no matter how it happens, because at the end of the day, some of us parents are Gutenbergers. And when I look at it, um, I love to Google something so I know if I'm right or not, but I sure love to have a, a paper book in my hands when I'm reading. So I don't know, no man's land for me. Some of you feel like that. But I'm raising three Googlers, no doubt. And parents, there's a, there's a disconnect at some, sometimes over the technology. Let's not make this one another one. Let's just find a way to get God's word into their heart. So what do we do about the technology? Let's look at our next couple G's here. The second one is uh, guardrails. Guardrails. You know what a guardrail is, right? You're riding down the road, and at certain turns that are a little dangerous or certain straightaways that might be dangerous uh, because of what might f- how you could fall off or whatnot, there would be a guardrail up designed to keep you on the road. Now, it's not designed to keep you from having an accident, you can still slam into the guardrail. In fact, the guardrail is there because they're saying, we think you might have an accident. You might start steer off course here. So let's make sure you only steer off course about three feet before you whack this guardrail instead of coming down the, you know, I don't know, maybe 3,000 foot mountain here. Um, This is what we're talking about in the life of our kids. Parenting. Parenting is partly putting these guardrails in place to help keep our kids and our families safe. In fact, good guardrails will bring freedom and safety to your family. Freedom and safety. And so, parents, we need to think of what are some guardrails you can put in place specifically in this area of technology. All right, if you're here this morning, you're a teen. All right, I just want to preface my teens over here. I got some teens. All right, I just want to preface. For the next few minutes, teens, you're probably going to say, Oh, this is stupid, you know. I thought Pastor Tom was cool, you know. He's not cool at all. He's one of them. Um, it's just it's just going to be part of it because for the next couple of minutes, I just parents, I want to be your friend. I want to be your your fan. Um, I'm one of you because I've got kids in that boat as well. Let's talk about these guardrails and how important uh, they are. Um, first of all, I want to tell you, teens this morning, or Googlers this morning, uh, but let's talk more about teens because you're probably still in your parents' home. First thing I want you to know this morning is you don't own your phone. You don't own it. You have the, I knew I'd hear an amen. You get the privilege of using the service and using this great little $500 piece of, of device in your hand, but you don't own it. Chances are the bill has your parents' name on it. Chances are at the end of the month, comes out of their account, the payment of, chances are when it goes over, right, and you know it does sometimes, you're the one getting the lecture from your parent. Why? Because your parent understands you don't own it, right? So what does this mean? Parents, you got a responsibility to know what's going on with your kid's tech. So here's the first one. Check the tech. Check the tech. Now, this is like, can be an incredibly divisive one if we want it to be. Check the tech. Because we all know a parent that is so overbearing and so protective that they are not allowing their kid to grow up 
And they're not allowing their kid even to navigate situations and even make mistakes and fail in situations for the purpose of growing. I certainly don't want you to be like that. But we also, at the same time, we all know parents who are so concerned with being a friend to their kid. They're so concerned with not creating any type of strife or problem, especially in the area of discipline, that they go that route and there's just none at all, right? And there's no checking and there's no guardrails. So I'm encouraging you, parents, find that middle ground and know how to check the tech of your kids to know what's going on with their phones or their devices, and have something set up in your family, certain guardrails, where you've helped them not get too far down the line, having the freedom to go anywhere they want on the internet. Listen, our kids are, are super savvy. They're, they're incredibly smart and wonderful in that. And sometimes them, like us as adults, they can use their intelligence to figure out how to get around things that would otherwise be very good for them and helpful for them. And so parents, that's where it comes in. Now, uh, those of you who are teens, right, let me just go after your parents for just one second, all right? So this will be your time to turn and go, yeah, all right? Three out of four parents say they don't have the energy to follow up on their kids. Three out of four parents say, look, at the end of the day, I'm just too tired, you know, I, I, I've been going hard all day, all week. I just don't have the energy and time to go up and have, you know, an interaction and look at the phone. Or I don't have time for a fight with my kid, right? I just don't have time. So we let it go. Let it go. No guardrail in place. Listen, parents, you're tired. You work hard. I know you do. In fact, you work probably harder than your kids are able to see throughout the week. And you feel unappreciated even at times. This does not ever make it acceptable for us as parents not to follow up with our kids, not to check what are they allowing into their hearts, many times through their eyes. So check the tech. Here's a couple of verses that would be helpful. And if you've got your Bible, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. We talked about it a couple weeks ago with the men, but let's reiterate. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Guardrail verse. Keep them on that path. Start them on the path and work them down that direction on this path. And when they get older, when they get more mature, when they can make their own decisions about different things, they will be much, much more wise in their decision making. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 5, 15, excuse me, says, A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. What's the passage saying there is, we have to follow up. We have to check up. And then we need to punish when necessary if those guardrails have been ignored or the boundaries have been pushed there. We all want discipline, not just our kids. Even us as adults, we want to know what are our boundaries? What can we not do? And if I do, what are the punishments that are going to come with it? Because that will help deter me from doing that again. How about chapter 4, uh, verse 23? Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Could I just add in this context, parents, this morning, that at your kid's age, it's your job to guard their heart as well. You might guard a five-year-old's heart different than you guard a 15-year-old's heart. You might allow that 15-year-old a little more maturity and in, 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 uh, in self-choice, but you still have to guard their heart and help them in this area. Because this is what really flows down deep 
what we allow into our hearts. So check the tech. Here's the second one um, that we see as super valuable, and this would be nothing new to you, but let's just focus on it for just a second, and that's technology-free zones. And these are setting up these specific areas where you would say, hey, for this period of time, we're all going to put away our phones, our tablets, or whatever else. We'll turn off the TV, and we'll just focus on family time, communication time. Now, I will just be honest with you. It is just as easy for me. It might be even easier to have my phone at the dinner table and focus on my phone throughout the meal as it is for my kids. And it's easy for me sometimes to say, yeah, well, I'm a pastor. I've got all these people that might be contacting me or this and that, so I kind of need to keep it. It would really be easy for me to justify. They're just playing games, you know, or they're just Facebooking or one other, Facebook or Snapchatting, you know, whatever. But the truth of the matter is we all need these technology-free zones where we just say, for this period of time, we're going to put out all the distractions and focus on family. I want you to just think for a second. Shouldn't take you that long, but just think for a second. How much undistracted family communication time do you have over the course of a week? Just think about the time. Like if the TV's on during most meals, then scratch that off. That's not that kind of time if you're talking over something. If you've had that time, but you know, you as dad or mom say, we don't make the kids do it, but we kind of look at our stuff during the, scratch that time. I just completely undistracted, uninhibited time with your family. Here's what the Bible says. So be careful how you act. These are difficult days. Don't be wise, or fools, be wise and make the most of every opportunity. Now, I know that that's such a generic phrase in the verse that could be applied to many, many situations in our life. But when we think about it in the context of technology, sometimes it's very difficult to take advantage of family situations when we allow the freedom of all kinds of technological, uh, technological things at our fingertips. Now, parents, I realize sometimes for you, it's like everybody scatters, they do their own thing, they're looking at their tablets, they're, they're watching their Netflix, and if I could just get them in the same room, where we're all in the same room... Even if we're all looking at our same tech, it's like a win. What I would say, start with that win. Start with that. That's a great win for you if you can get in the same room. But work towards getting to these tech-free zones. Maybe it's dinner for you. Maybe you say, hey, we get together. Um, let's turn off the TV during dinner, and let's focus on family time. Maybe how about rides in the car, short trips, 15 minutes to school and back, where you say, during this, we're not going to have... Uh, any tech. We're just going to engage and talk for a few minutes. What about that 20 minutes before the movie begins? My daughter and I went to see a movie yesterday. What about that 20 minutes um, before? Now, somebody told me before, yeah, but you know, technology today allows us to book our seat. Um, and so I can show up 15 seconds before the movie. I don't have to come 15 minutes before. I don't know then. Find another 20-minute slot some other time that you can engage and have this tech-free time with your kids. Because these times, here's what they create. When we put our tech away, like Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. To be still and put away the distractions. Listen, if you're somebody that, like, tech's not your issue, but you so desperately worry about every little nuance of your life, every little thing, you, just, you would say, I'm just a classic worry wart and everything. You know if you can just get five minutes of not worrying about those things. Like, what freedom and peace that brings your life. Can I just apply that principle towards technology? 
if we could just say, let's just sit it down, and I'm going to just focus my time in with the Lord for this next next five minutes or ten minutes, or my time in with my spouse, or my time in with my daughter or son or brother or sister, if it's that context for you, and be focused entirely on them. We actually hear God in all of those relationships, all of those interactions. So uh, guardrails, super important. I would guess that for you, you could come up with 10 more guardrails for your family. You're creative enough. Those are just a couple of examples. The third thing is something that we probably don't think about quite as much in our families. You see, if I was a coach of a team or if I ran a business, right, or let's say you coached and you ran and I would come up to you and I would say, hey, tell me what your goals are, right? What are your goals for your business, for your sports team? And you would say, oh, hey, uh, our goals is uh, for the first quarter, we want this much in sales, and uh, we want a perfect safety rating, and, and uh, we're going to win this many games if you're a coach, right, over the course of this time. And I'd like to have a, you know, a team, certain team stat that showed up like this. You would have goals for your team. If I were to ask you, what's your goal for your team, coach, and you'd say, ah, I don't really have any goals um, on the year, I'd say, hmm, wonder how that'll work out for you, coach, on the year. But in our families, we don't often think about having goals in our family. Something that we'd say, hey, collectively as a family, we're going to accomplish this. Like every once in a while, a family says, hey, I'm going to put this jar out here, and everybody's loose change, throw it in this jar, and that's going to be for a special adventure when we go on vacation, right? And the jar fills up, and then you go on vacation, and you get to you know, go explore a cave one day, and you pay for entry, and that change thing did that. That was a goal you had, and you, that goal paid off. What if we did that throughout our family as well? What if we even incorporated how we use our technology towards our goals in our family? Good goals will help bring purpose and focus to your family. Do you know what our family slogan is in the Raven family? It's to be a blessing. That's our goal. That's our family, uh, not crest, but what, what do you call a slogan? Or that's that's what we're about, to be a goal. That's what we want, or excuse me, to be a blessing. That's what we want to be, our goal. And so we, we say that often and over and over. What goals might you have in your family? And how would you use your technology to reach the goal? Here's one that you could do. How about using technology to encourage, to encourage? Like if God said, hey, uh, for Raven family or Smith family or whatever, if you were to use your technology, all of you and your family to be a blessing and to encourage people to lift each other up. Now, you may not know this because you don't ever do this, right? This group. You may not know this, but there is sometimes some negativity and complaining that shows up in social media. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that. Um, now, if you don't know that, just keep your eyes open. We're coming into a political season here. We're about to have some elections coming up. Just keep your eyes open. You'll see, you might see it there, right? What if we chose that my family, we are going to focus on the goal of being an encouragement, a blessing to others. Like, we're going to actually take Philippians 4.8. Take a look at it. I'll read it for you. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Like what if we said a goal of our family is we're going to really take that verse to heart and we're going to use our technology for such. What would that look like? Like practically, you could brainstorm as a family how you would do that. Here's one way we've decided in the Raven family is we've told all the kids when it came of age where they got into 
certain social media with, the, with my older boys. It was Facebook when they came into it. Um, and we said, you know, uh, you've got this now. You're of age, and you can have an account. But there is no negative or complaining that comes from a raven on social media. Like, that was just our goal. And every kid, you know, all of our kids said the same thing. You're like, yeah, yeah, you know, we're, we're with you, Dad. You know, raven goal. But every single one of them had to actually learn it at one point by something they posted that they got called out by their dad on, you know, where I had to sit down and say, hey, like one of them uh, said one time, the first thing they posted was, out shopping with the family, oh joy. <laughs> it's like, okay, um, I realize, um, I'll acknowledge that out shopping, um, I probably had the same attitude uh, out shopping as that uh, uh, post said. So, but to sit down and just say, hey, realize, may not be the most exciting to go clothes shopping with the family, um, but we're never going to use our social media that way. We're always going to use our social media to either communicate information or to lift up and bless somebody else. And so that's like a goal for us. Oh, like what type of goals would you, you use to encourage people and bless people in your technology? It could be different for all of our families on what we use and how we use it. How about this? Have you ever thought of sitting there and saying, one of the goals is to use our technology to share our faith? That I want to share my faith. I want my family to share their faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to use our technology to do it. The truth of the matter is most of us know way more about what somebody eats and uh, what food they have on their plate. You know, we get a nice up, a shot up like this. Like, we know nobody eats their food from that perspective. We just take shots from up here. Um, but we know way more about the food people eat than the faith that they claim. What if we were to say, I'm going to use my technology to share my faith. I'm going to share it boldly. Now, you might say, your pushback might be like, Tom, I know some of those people that share their stuff on, on Facebook, and I know some of those people that are ultra-aggressive and combative and, and, and overly political in how they share their faith, and I just I don't want to be that. And can I tell you, I don't either. I don't want to have anything to do with those people. But that doesn't mean I can't share my faith. And you can share your faith. And I couldn't teach my family and my kids how to share their faith using this incredible technology that's available for us. What if... And I'm not declaring this is the case, but what if God created and designed this whole thing called social media to give Christians this open avenue to share their faith? I don't know that he did, but I certainly think we could redeem it for that quality, that we share our faith. What does Habakkuk say? Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you're told. I think that technology could be that. I'm not calling that the prophecy here that Habakkuk is talking about, but we could use technology as something that's amazing that we could redeem. How would we do it? How about sharing impactful verses, and why has it been impactful for your life? How about sharing your testimony? Listen, I love hearing about your life. I love hearing about what's going on. I would probably be way more interested in hearing about your Christian testimony than what you grabbed in the, show, in the shopping aisle uh, at uh, you know, Walmart, you know, whatever, what you saw there. So there's some interesting stories on what you saw at Walmart. Some of those stories are good. I'd love to hear about your faith. What if we did that? What if we just shared our church service every week? We're, we stream it live right now. You simply go to your Facebook, and uh, kids, your parents can show you how to use Facebook since you abandoned it years ago. And just click share on the service, and then 
So many of your friends get to see it. Even with about 16 shares, we have about 1,000 connections uh, with that. Who knows how God wants to use it? What about just sharing invites to different things? Come and join me at church, and we're walking through this series, or come to this event, or whatnot. And finally, can I just tell you, please, Wendover Hills Christians, just don't be one of those Christian social media jerks. Just don't do it. We all know it. We want to bring glory to the Lord's name and not be combative or confrontive in what we do. But if it was a goal to share our faith, what other goals could you have and how would you use your technology? Here's the takeaway. I want to encourage you, develop one guardrail and one goal to help your family navigate this week, to navigate this technology world. One guardrail, one thing that would keep them on track, would keep them from going down in the ravine. I would much rather call a tow truck, right, for a car that bumped into the guardrail than I would to have to bring the car up from the ditch. And I think injury-wise, you're looking at something very different. So guardrails, what's one you'd put in place? And then what's one goal? What can you be about as your family? What do you want to be about? What can you be about? And how would you use your technology towards that goal? So here's what I want to do. Two weeks ago, we invited dads to stand, and we prayed for dads. Last week, we prayed for those of you who are, are, are married. And this week, I want to pray for those of you with kids. So if you are a parent, um, and even if you're like, well, my parent, I'm like an empty nester. My parent and kids are gone. You know you're always going to be parenting. You may not be looking at their tech the same way now if they're 30, uh, but you're always going to be parenting. Let us pray for you. So if you're a parent, would you stand up? And we're going to pray for you as we close off this teaching uh, this week. All right. Great. Parents, thank you. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for every person that's standing here. Lord, and I know every person that's standing here has had a season, and maybe some of them are in it right now, where they've walked through and they have felt like it was an utter and complete failure. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Father, bring your grace. Would you just love us the same way that we always are sharing with our kids that we love them? Father, I want to pray for these things, especially in this world of internet that, that can be so dangerous if we allow it to be. Unchecked and unguarded can be something that could bring destruction, but redeemed and blessed and put in the right context could be a tool that's phenomenal for our growth and the spreading of your kingdom. So Lord, help us as parents to build the word of God into our, our kids and to allow technology to be a tool that helps. Help us to know how to monitor it. Help us to know how to check up on it. Help us to know what to say to our kids when we do find something that we realize is destructive and how to discipline through that. Lord, help us to know, especially with our older kids, when we start allowing their maturity to have more free choices and that we would step back and allow a little more trust that what we've taught up till now will sustain and hold. Give us that wisdom, Lord. What a ride we're on as parents. The, the decisions we make every day, Lord, wow. So, Lord, just bless us and help us. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Thank you, parents. Now, let me ask you, for those of you who you took that out and you had it sitting in your lap, did you find it difficult not to look down at it through? I know, like some of you are like, uh, it was no problem at all. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, I'm looking from this perspective. So did you find it a little difficult there? Uh, it's so much easier sometimes when we just say, hey, I'm in church this morning. I may use my tech for the Bible, but other than that, I'll just kind of make it tech-free. 
zone. Create those for your families as well. It would be awesome. So kids, did you make it through? I'm sorry, kids, teenagers, big teenagers, did you make it through? You okay? Are we still friends? Okay. That's my main goal, my main goal. All right. I want to invite uh, Rich Brindle, if he would come up. He's going to share with you a little bit about what's going on in the next few weeks. So would you welcome Rich as he comes? <laughs> 